Today I want to talk to you about faith to move mountains. Faith to move mountains. Because in this, in this case, I know in many areas of your life, uh, it's going to take God to move some things. But it's going to have to take faith that causes God to move, right? So you've got to become a partner with God. God, that is what the new covenant is. God said, you provide faith, I'll provide the power. It is not, well, just see what happens. God does whatever he wants. Que sera, sera. That's not how, that's not our covenant. God says, listen, you come into faith, I'll move. He's determined to work by that covenant. That's his deal he made with us. So you can't be passive, crossing your fingers, hoping that God's going to do something in your life or your nation. You have to become active. You have to step into faith. You have to believe something great. You have to put yourself out there. You got to get out on the line. You got to get aggressive and you got to be assertive and you got to step into something different than just watching the news are wondering what's going to happen. You've got to call those things that are not as though they are. You've got to get yourself, project yourself out there into the future and see what God is going to do. Come on, tell somebody, I'm somewhere in the future and I look much better than I look right now. Right? And you know, in America, we're somewhere in the future and we look much better than we look right now. Faith is believing that something good is about to happen. Something great is about to happen. God is about to rise up on this nation and be uh, great and make this nation great. This is a wonderful nation full of wonderful people and it's an opportunity. And I believe the breath of God is breathing on us right now. And of course, no one likes to talk about politics and church. I'm not into it because you never want to hurt anybody or alienate people. But this is not about politics, really. It's just it's about understanding, understanding that God has a great future for us. And I want you to uh, step into faith because that's the most that you can do. Yes, you can go vote, but you need to step into faith. Because that's what causes God to move. That's your most valuable asset is your ability to come into faith, speak faith, influence God. Right? You might be able to influence, influence a few friends. Uh, but, uh, you know, Louisiana is not even a state that it's, it's pretty much an already decided deal in Louisiana. This election will be determined by people you don't know. And it's important that God is the one that directs this nation and directs this election because it will determine your grandchildren's future. You know, when the Supreme Court makes a decision, you got no say-so. It's not as if you get a vote. It's not as if you can send someone to Congress and change it. You can't change it. When the Supreme Court says that that's it until it's the Supreme Court overthrows it. So the, this will be the election of your lifetime and mine. You can't be negative. You can't be passive. You must step into the realm of faith and believe God to do something supernatural. So if you have your Bible, turn to Mark 11, famous faith chapter, verse 22. Those of you in Baton Rouge already heard part of this. Like I always practice on the people in Baton Rouge a couple of times. I get all the bugs out. <laughs> They're the guinea pigs. I get all the bugs out, then I just bring it public. They're like, hey, you changed, just, you changed that. Yeah, it was wrong the first time. I just fixed it. <laughs> Hope it didn't have to change much. And Jesus answered, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be taken up, thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. 
Next verse. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Father, in Jesus' name, let your word be a powerful impact in our spirit. Let it change the way we think, change the way we feel, and change the way we live. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. So here Jesus is speaking about what it means to come into faith. And when you first read this, it sounds so powerful, but it's a little bit of a contradiction in your mind because at first he starts saying, he said, have faith in God. This is the subject, have faith in God. Then he says, if you could speak to a mountain and say, be taken up and be cast into the depths of the sea, and you don't doubt the things that you just said, it will happen. Then it says, therefore, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you have them and you have them. So they're actually, it's kind of mixed in terms of the message because it tells you, first of all, you have to learn how to say something before you can pray something. He said, you gotta have the authority to pray, to, to say something. You have to get rid of something before you can bring something in. So to have faith in God, Jesus illustrates that it's two things. It's not just praying that you first have to get rid of this aggravated mountain, right? And it's not one and the same because it's not, well, all you do is when you want something, you just confess it. You just speak to the bad things and you bring in the good things. Well, it really, it is that, but I want you to identify a little closer what this mountain is. Of course, a mountain in the Old Testament is the illustration of a kingdom. So you could say the kingdom of darkness has got to be removed. And I think that's a valid interpretation. But you got to focus. Jesus is telling you that if you don't deal with something, you're not coming into faith. And you're not going to see God move in your life like you want him to move. If you don't have the courage, and it's interesting, Jesus doesn't say pray about the mountain. He doesn't say think about the mountain. He doesn't say get counseling from a counselor or go to a psychiatrist about the mountain. He says, I'm not speaking to it. You have to speak to it. So in other words, he says, if you're going to walk in faith, it's not going to be God doing it for you. You're going to have to step into authority and you're going to have to take charge of some things. You're going to have to not doubt and you're going to have to deal with it. So if you want to come into faith, it's, you're going to have to get off of passive and get into active. Right? So what is a mountain here? Well, you know, we already know if we don't live, we have flat land here. But if you, if you had, if we lived in mountains, you'd realize mountains are obstructions, aren't they? They keep you from seeing the other side, right? It's as if what you want is on the other side of the mountain and that you have to speak to it and have it removed so you can see what you want, right? That if you don't remove it, it can be there, but you can't see it. So you can't walk into faith until you remove what's in your way. Now look, this really did rock my world and change my life. The mountain is the opposition to God's purpose, keeping you from seeing his dream. He said, here's what you do. Jesus said, if you want to walk in faith, speak to that mountain. Command it. Be taken up. Be thrown into the depths of the sea. Don't doubt in your heart and you'll have it. So listen, we want to know what this mountain is. So we need to understand context. That we're, what's the story? What's happening in the story when Jesus begins to say, have faith in God. What is the context? Well, this context is this. Jesus says, uh, you know, he's traveling by foot. 
and he's walking and, uh, and he sees, we have him here, he sees a fig tree and it's a beautiful, you know, those big leaves on fig trees, you know, and you know how they can get huge, those bushes. Have you ever seen one of those big, beautiful green fig trees and you walked up and there's no figs on it? Now for me, I'm always happy because I don't like figs. I'm always happy like, just give me the leaves. But in those days, you no know, figs were a big part of their diet, and it was like a dessert for them to have. It was like delicious. It was like something they looked forward to. So when Jesus saw this beautiful green tree, uh, he's assuming that there's fruit on it. So he gets all excited about, man, I'm about to have some figs. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be delicious. My grandmother loved figs, but I never cared for them. But Jesus loved them. And so, so he's going, he's walking, he's walking, you know, you know, he's going for, he walks straight up to the fig tree. And when he gets there, he's all ready for a fig. He's got his mouth all ready and then no figs anywhere. Have you ever had that happen? And the Bible said Jesus cussed. He cursed the fig tree. <laughs> it happened to me the other day. I was driving back from Mississippi and I said, I'm not eating supper. I'm just going to go by Dairy Queen. I believe it's the will of God, Dairy Queen. I believe they have one coming here now. Some of you have prayed for years for a blizzard in town. And it's, see, it works. Your faith is bringing forth a Dairy Queen. So I'm, I know there's one at Diamond Head. And so I'm driving. I'm thinking, you know, it's like late. But I'm thinking, I'm not even eating. I'm getting that, I'm getting that pecan cluster blizzard for supper. That's what you need when you're on the road, a little sugar in your life. So I'm heading for it. I'm thinking, I'm feeling it. And, and I, I'm heading for Hammond, but I know a little bit longer. And I pull off the interstate like, I am here. I made it. And I see that beautiful red sign with the white letters and the ice cream looking thing on it. And I drive up. And when I drive up, I looked and the place, the lights are going out and they're mopping up. They're close. I'm 10 minutes late. They closed that place. I felt like cussing, just like Jesus. <laughs> I didn't, but I did feel like it. I was like, may no one ever eat a blizzard from you again. <laughs> but I let it go. But Jesus curses the fig tree, said no one's going to eat from you ever again. And then Jesus went on about his business and his disciples are watching like, that was weird, never saw him do that because nothing happened to the tree. The tree is like, what? You know, it's just still looking normal. And they said, Jesus just cursed that fig tree, nothing happened. And so they, Jesus goes on about his business. He goes and heals some people, does some things. All right, now he's leaving town. He's coming back the same route and he's walking by the fig tree. And Peter says, yo, Lord, look. There's the fig tree that you curse. Look, it's dried up from the roots. Listen, it's important. He said it's dried up from the roots. And, and, and Peter's making a big deal like, wow, I thought nothing was going to happen to it. But remember when you spoke to it, it's come up by the roots. It's dried up and died. That's when Jesus says, have faith in God. Because if you'll speak to that mountain and say, be removed and cast in the sea, it will do exactly what you say if you don't doubt. So Jesus was talking about a particular mountain, not a general mountain. It's a mountain called disappointment. See, people have very much difficulty walking in faith when they get all hung up on their disappointments. Because they don't know what to do with their disappointments. Right? And you say, well, disappointment's not that bad. It's a big deal. When it comes to faith, disappointment is when you expected something that didn't work out. 
And how many have ever had that happen to you? Matter of fact, how many have had a day go by without being disappointed? You know, you just look in the mirror and say, dang. <laughs> You've been dieting for three weeks and uh, what is this? <laughs> You've been working out like, what happened? I'm going six weeks at the gym and this is what I get. I mean, you know, if you're not careful, life is full of disappointments. You say it's not a big deal, but if you watch a football game, all that's happening in a football game is struggle, excitement, and disappointment. And at the end, you're either going to get disappointed or you're going to get excited. We like football because it's like life, isn't it? Life is either you win or you lose. Either you're going to get fulfilled in your expectation or you're going to get disappointed. Now, disappointment is a reality in life. Point number one, even Jesus had disappointments. Don't think just because you have faith and you're full of God, don't think that you're not going to have an empty fig tree and now and then. Like, I don't know if God was with me. That wouldn't have happened. God was with Jesus and he had an empty fig tree. How come Jesus didn't know there was no figs on that tree? Right? So sometimes things are just going to happen. Matter of fact, things always happen that disappoint people. You're not going to be able to avoid disappointment, but you're going to be, if you don't deal with that disappointment, it's going to deal with you. It's going to begin to speak to you. It's going to begin to influence you. It's going to begin to be a part of you because in disappointment, it's kind of like any other thing that hurts. It becomes personal. You know what I'm saying? It's like your disappointment. A disappointment becomes like very personal, like, and I know the Bible says this, I know the Bible said that, but let me tell you some stuff that happened to me. You know, I'll tell you what, I hear, I believe all that, I love when they talk about faith, I get excited about it. But you know, in reality, truth is, a lot of times I really want stuff to happen, it doesn't happen, so I'm, I'm out. Now, on the, on the surface, you're like, oh, praise God, yes, God, moving America. But in, somewhere in there, if you haven't dealt with those things that didn't work out, then you're, you have a polluted, contaminated kind of faith. So you pray, not really believing you're going to get an answer because before you pray, you've already got a catalog of things that didn't work. And you haven't done anything with them. And what do you do with them? I think disappointment is one of the worst emotional experiences on the planet. I think people do just about anything to avoid disappointment, financial disappointment. You know, some people won't even pray for sick people because they're like, if I pray for them, then I might get disappointed. And, it, and then other people start like praying like super, um, you know, thin prayers. Like, Lord, if it be thy will, let them live. Like, that's a, like a safe prayer. Like, blame it on God. <laughs> if they die, it was God. It had nothing to do with you. Don't get in this. Right? Because we guard ourselves from this thing like getting let down. Because it hits us. See, we want to be, have childlike faith, but life starts hitting us and we start. Isn't it, wonder, isn't it true that you can have 10 great things happen or 100 great things happen and you're like, well, it's just one of those things. Have one bad thing happen. It's all you think about. You forget about the 100 great things that God did. You've got eyesight. You have health. You've got children. You've got a house. You've got a job. You've got all these wonderful things God did. One thing happened. Am I right? I mean, one bad thing, one thing doesn't work out. Why did God let that happen? <laughs> I'm out, man. I'm out. I'm going to the land of the cynical. 
I'm going to live there because you want to prove to me. See, people don't say it, but behind the scenes, because we find out from the scripture that disappointment has roots. Disappointment has roots. Jesus said, see this word, the Bible says, be taken up. The Greek word for taken up, it means to be uprooted. When Jesus spoke to that fig tree, he spoke to the roots of it. You know, the Bible says one of the great marriage scripture is, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Like every mother gave that advice to their daughter on a wedding day. Like, don't go to bed angry. Why? Because it's the Bible. Why? Because if you go to bed angry, that anger will grow some roots. And you'll be a little colder the next day. And you might get along the next day, but you'll be a little more, a little bit of that passion will be gone because you slept on that anger and it hits you. You couldn't help but get angry, but you sleep on it, it'll get some roots on you. Right? Have you ever just gone to your driveway and you've seen a, a weed there that you thought just grew there and you went to grab it and you almost fell down? Like, dang, what? what? It kind of, it was like it pulled back on you. And you realize that thing's got some roots and you put both hands and both legs on it. And then you were like sweating. You were like, oh, it's coming out now. You know what I mean? And then it broke off and left the roots in there. Like something gets roots, it gets tough to get out, doesn't it? Now, if something doesn't have any roots, you can quickly pluck it out. That's what Jesus was talking about. You better deal with disappointment before it gets roots in you. Because when you've got the roots of disappointment inside of you, it's very difficult to pray the prayer of faith. Because you're always mentally arguing with your own subconscious. Why did that happen? Why does that happen? So you get confused because you allowed disappointment to root in your life. Jesus said, he didn't say pray about it, think about it. He said, let me tell you something. When disappointment hits you, speak to it. Uproot it and throw it into the depths of the sea. Look, this is going to change your life. If you really hear what I'm saying, the depression that some of you deal with because of conflicts, the lack of energy that some of you have because of mental conflicts, it's because you're, you've got roots inside of you and you don't know how to deal with bad things that happen. Jesus said, here's, here's a clue. Don't try to figure those things out. Uproot them and throw them into the depths of the sea. You won't be able to stop them from happening. You're going to show up at a closed Dairy Queen at some point. And you're not going to be able to stop that from happening. But it's going to matter how you deal with it. That's going to, going to determine whether you can actually walk in childlike faith. And stop being so complicated about it. And just say, I'm believing God for it. See, you got to get over the fear of disappointment. Some people are controlled with the fear. They don't walk in faith because they're controlled by their cynical fear of disappointment. I tell you what, I don't even want to try to serve God because I'll probably fail anyway. I went on that encounter, but I don't know. I, I, for me, I just want to see if I can really do it. See, you're so afraid of failure, you don't even want to try. These are, it's a fear. Disappointment has roots. What are those roots like? Are you guys still with me? All right. What are they like? The Bible says, lay the ax to the unfruitful tree. Actually, let me, let me write it down. Point two, Jesus taught disappointment must be uprooted. That's point two, and thrown in the depths of the sea. Now, number one, let me just give you some roots. Doubt and unbelief, which manifests as questions why. When you have the roots of disappointment in you, you say, well, why did so-and-so die? Why did I get fired? Why did I get that job? 
Why did I have this sickness? Why did my child get sick? And then these doubts and unbelief become roots inside of you. And when you want to believe, then they start speaking to you. They want a voice at the table. They want to, they want to talk. They want to get their point across. Doubt and unbelief. Questions. Number two, fear and insecurity. Fear and insecurity. See, if you can't walk in faith, you walk in insecurity. See, the idea when God answers your prayer, you feel like God is with you. But when, when you're not walking in faith, you're not sure if God's with you. As a matter of fact, when things don't work out, you think it's because some bad thing that you did that God's paying you back for it. Right? So disappointment has these guilty roots. So that you feel ashamed and you feel like you deserve the bad things that are happening in your life. Why? You let, you know, you know I love that scripture that says, don't allow a, a, a root of bitterness to spring up and defile many. So it's kind of like, it's, it's, disappointment's kind of like bitterness. You think you're just messing you up, but you mess everybody else up too. You in church, you're like, praise God, you get in your car with your wife, you know, I know what he's saying, but, and then you start defiling everybody with your disappointment. Like, I hope he's right. In other words, I don't think he's right, but I hope he's right. Right. In other words, you don't mean to, but when you've got, when you've let it get a root in you, you start defiling other people. You see the people you're trying to inspire, you're disappointing them because you've got disappointment in you. You ought to be careful with that, bro. You better be careful. I tried that one time. Play it safe. Those are the roots of disappointment. Three, number three, rejection and self-pity. Rejection and self-pity. A person that has a root of disappointment, they always feel like, why me, why me, poor me, poor me, poor me, poor me, poor me, why did it happen? Why, 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 me, 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 poor, 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 me, me, me. Listen, I only slept one hour last night, so don't hold anything against me that I might say. I couldn't quit saying me, me, me a second ago. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I need some rest. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. You start feeling like I got to hold on 10 more minutes. I got to hold on. <laughs> Point number three, Jesus promised that your disappointment will never be remembered again. Listen. When the Bible said the phrase, for, for Jewish people, when they heard the phrase, be uprooted and thrown into the depths of the sea, it means nothing to Americans. But for them, they've heard the story of Moses a thousand times. They already know what happened to the horse and the rider. They were thrown into the depths of the sea. They've been singing it for years. For them, it's something they've heard their whole life. When Jesus used the phrase thrown to the depths of the sea, it means nothing to us. But for them, it means take the negative opposition and throw it into the sea of forgetfulness and never bring it up again. He said, put it in the place you can't remember it. See, I'll tell you if you've got a root of disappointment in you because you won't be quiet about it. Right? You're, instead of talking about God's word and God's promises and goodness of God, you start telling everybody, well, I'll tell you what. You, know, you, you start beginning to preach the message of disappointment. 
And instead of and, and surrender your God-given right to operate in supernatural faith, listen, bad things happen, but I promise you, if you don't let disappointment get the best of you, good things are coming. Good things are coming. Good things are coming. That job is coming. That breakthrough is coming. That husband, that wife, that healing, it is coming. It is coming to those who pull up, uproot that disappointment and throw it into the depths of the sea. It's true. It'll change your life. And Micah 7 verse 18 says this. God's steadfast love and compassion. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our our sins into the depths of the sea. So you understand when it comes to casting something to the sea, it means forget it and never bring it up again. See, some of you, you get disappointed. (laughs) I mean, recently, I was just teaching on this in Baton Rouge, and I just had a great testimony. It's my daughter's wedding, and I was believing God. I wanted to pay for everything. I got it. I just turned it off myself. I'm disappointed in myself (laughs) for turning it off by accident. (laughs) I'm just going to take that and throw it away. (laughs) But I was, I was praising God. My wife and I were praising God because we were believing God for the money and miraculously our accountant called and said, you have the biggest return you ever had. You're getting back $12,000. And my wife and I had a party like, woo! Dun, 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 dun. And we're like, God's word is true. We were just standing on faith. We're believing God. Look what happened. And we started testifying to everybody. But something was bothering me like, how can that be true? Because I didn't pay more. How did I get back $12,000? I kept wondering, this something's not right. And so, uh, so two weeks later into my victory, Diane was at the desk saying, Bray, something doesn't look right here with this return. I was like, please don't talk to me right now. <laughs> don't, don't say those words, what you're about to say. Because I knew in the back of my mind, something ain't right with that $12,000. And she said, I hate to tell you this, but I think our account made a mistake. I was like, seriously? She said, yes. Matter of fact, not only are we not getting back 12,000, we're having to pay 2,600. Oh, you're talking about a $15,000 day in the negative? (laughs) I said, Diane, aren't you glad I taught that the other day? So I said, right now, let's just pull up that route and say, I uproot you right now in Jesus' name, and I'm going to throw you into the depths of the sea. I promise you, as soon as I did it, just like Jesus said, that thing hasn't weighed on me at all. I even forgot about it until I just told you. (laughs) But you know what? Something good's about to happen in my life. Because I'm not carrying that around with me. I'm not bummed out, sad, why me? I'm not any of that. I'm looking forward to what's coming. I'm not living in the past. I'm living in the future. And I'm somewhere in the future. I look much better. I'm much richer. I'm much healthier. I'm much further along than I am right now. Look at someone and say, disappointment has no claim on my emotion. 
See, it is the imagery of forgetfulness. Jesus said, I want you to, here's what you do. If you want to walk in faith, you better learn this. You better learn how to deal with disappointment. And when it comes, and it will come, he said, speak to it. Say, you know what? You're not mine. Not my favorite little secret disappointment that I can justify any negative thing I do. Huh? Because I'm so bummed out because God didn't do what I asked him to do. You have to give up your little prize disappointment and you have to say, speak to it. And Jesus said, don't doubt in your heart, but uproot it. And then once you uproot it and it's hanging there by the roots, then throw it away from you into the depths of the sea and say, I ain't forget, I don't even remember that anymore. That's over. It's forgotten. It's disappeared. It's no longer in my mind. It's funny. People don't know what to do with their disappointments. You can talk to a counselor, but it still sticks with you. You can talk to a friend. You can go pray about it, but it sticks with you until you speak to it. Jesus didn't say speak or pray about your disappointment. He said speak to your disappointment. When, you, when something hits you, hits you hard. You know how it hits you. When it hits you. I hope the saints win today, but I'm not afraid to watch. Come on, somebody. I'm going to watch with full faith. I don't say, you know what? Disappointment no longer can threaten me. Disappointment no longer can control me. I can go out there, get my faith out there, try as hard as I can, confess what God says, and if it doesn't work out, boop, throw it away. Moving on. Right? How many want to be free to stand in faith and walk in faith? We're going to do that right now because right now you've got some things that you need to get rid of. I wish I had more time. But I already said enough. You get the idea. It's super simple. Some of the best things are simple. You've got some things that have rooted in you that I can't get rid of. God can't even get rid of them. You have to get rid of them. It's like sitting around at your house and praying that, that God would come take out the garbage. Lord Jesus' name, just take out that garbage right now. I just believe you right now. I'm just praying right now. I'm confessing right now that garbage is going to be out by tomorrow. God said, listen, you're going to have to take the garbage out because it's your garbage. It's not God's. It's not even the devil's. It's your garbage. And since you put your own personal claim on it, you're the one that's got to get rid of it. You got to uproot it. And then you're going to make a quality decision. Okay, I'm going to face a disappointment or two, but I ain't afraid. Because when it comes, I know just what to do. I'm just going to uproot it and I'm going to throw it into the depths of the sea moving on why Jesus promised Jesus promised here's my last point Jesus promised that if you would deal with it and you wouldn't doubt in your heart you would never have to deal with that again it would never be a player at the table. It would never be part of your discussions. Why this and why that? He said, if you would deal with it, you'll begin to walk in great faith. You won't have a stack of victories and a bigger stack of disappointments. You'll just have a big stack of victories. And when people say, oh, I, I want you to pray for me because I'm sick, you'll say, let's do it. You become dangerous again. You'll stop being the cynical Christian, the careful Christian. The Christian who doesn't want to get themselves out there. The depressed Christian. You'll become the powerful Christian. The active Christian. The excited Christian. The energetic Christian. Because you get rid of all that's been dragging you down. See, once you deal with disappointment, you can face the future because God is with you. It doesn't guarantee that bad things are not going to happen. But when they happen, we know exactly what to do. Moving on. Great things are about to come to your life. 
And the only thing standing between many of you and the miracle that God wants to do in your life is some of you are holding on to your personal disappointments and your little secret roots. See, roots are under the surface. Can't see them, but they're there. Nobody else can see them, but they're there. It's secret. They're your own little private thoughts and your own doubts and your own insecurities. Today, we're going to up. How many want to uproot that today? Man, your blood pressure is going to go down. Your health is going to go up. Come on. Your faith level is going to soar. You're not going to keep getting hammered down, hammered down. From day to day, your faith level is going to go up. Some of you, you have a bad day in traffic. You, you get depressed and just want to backslide. Those people pulled in front of me. Why is it always pulled in front of me? You want to backslide just because of the traffic. Come on, somebody. Deal with it. Speak to it. <laughs> 